Tenatato, Ko Jessica O, and um, Emihiana O, Ki Tewiki o Tereo Māori. Um, tonight's talk is not on that kopapa, it's on a different kopapa, uh, but I did want to acknowledge that. Um, and I want to totoko you guys and all the ways that you're leaning in on that bicultural journey that we have here. Um, yeah, so it is a privilege to know many of you guys in this room. Um, but for those who don't know me, um, I have been coming to this church for maybe four to five years. Um, and yeah, I grew up in Philly in the South Island. And um, yeah, I moved here about five years ago. I studied in Dunedin and then I moved here. Um, and yeah, I've lived in chapters, our intentional community houses for three years. Um, and this year I live in another intentional community house, but with AYM. Um, yeah, me and my husband, Jesse, um, we lead a house of awesome young adults. I'm looking at Jasmine. She's in my house. Um, yeah, these guys are, they um, are pouring themselves out for youth ministry. And it's really awesome. Um, yeah, so I have some things on my heart to share tonight. And um, yeah, it actually, it ties in a little bit to the things that Scotty um, was talking about for the last couple of weeks. So in a way, I want to continue that conversation a bit tonight. Um, yeah, I'm going to use some words from James 1 to frame this talk. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how it started out. And then I, I've ended up using um, Henri Nguyen's words to frame my talk as well. Um, so yeah, shout out to Henri Nguyen. Um, I know there are a few people in this room that have a lot of love on renew and so um, I hope you enjoy my references. <laughs> um, I'll just give a bit of context on James 1 or on James um, before I share um, these words and yeah I've got all my um, script scriptural and uh, quote scriptural references and quotations up for you guys to read um, just thought that'd be helpful um, but yeah in terms of James James is actually Jacob, but we're going to call him James for consistency um, in the Bible. Um, yeah, James is considered one of the first letters to the church um, after Jesus' ministry um, on earth. And yeah, James refers to the church as, um, yeah, the, a lot of the church was made up of scattered Jewish Christians um, kind of all living in different places and um, under persecution. So um, they were living in persecution for their faith. So um, the letter, James' letters speak to, um, yeah, people living in this context. And I can imagine that um, the people who first received these letters um, were trying to figure out how to follow Jesus and how to live like Jesus um, in, in and amongst their cultural context um, and, and amongst the values of the world that they were living in. Um, so though this letter um, is speaking to people who live in quite a different context to us, there is a lot of parallels that I see um, that yeah, are very relevant to our church here today. So I want to pull two verses from James 1. <laughs> oh yeah, I forget. I have a clicky thing. Um, yeah, I can like change slides, which is really cool. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I'm going to start with James 1.23, which says, if you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror, discovers their own reflection, then goes on and forgets their divine origin. And he goes on to say in James 1.27, pure and genuine spirituality in the eyes of God is to care for the orphans and the widows in their distress and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. I love that line in the end, refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. Some threads I pull from James 1 are be changed and discover your original identity to live out the way of Jesus. I want to start with talking about identity. Big topic. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been reading this book, The Return of the Prodigal Son by Henri Nguyen. Um, such a good book. I was just talking with Max before about how much we love this book. Um, but I actually, yeah, I have a few excerpts, um, a few paragraphs that, yeah, I'm really going to use to frame this talk because... Yeah, Henri says it so beautifully, some of the things that I love to say. So, yeah, um, I, was, I thought I'd find this hard, eh? Like holding a mic and trying to find a page. Um, I might just put the mic down for a second. <laughs> just hold the mic. Um, yeah, just because I don't want to like look at the board, but you can change the slide, or should I change the slide? Oh, my gosh, so many things at once. Slide change. Okay, this is actually part of what I want to share, but I read it in the book again, and there's actually more in here, more goodness, that adds to this quote that I'm going to read out as well. So it says, I am the prodigal son. Every time I search for unconditional love where it cannot be found. Why do I keep ignoring the place of true love and persist in looking for it elsewhere? Why do I keep leaving home where I'm called a child of God, the beloved of my father? I keep taking the gifts God has given me, my health, my intellectual and emotional gifts, and keep using them to impress people, to receive affirmation and praise, and compete for rewards, instead of developing them for the glory of God. Now, we are all um, on a journey with our faith, and I want to bless you guys with where you were at um, on your faith journey. But I feel confident in saying that this room wants to live for the glory of God. And I know many of us so want to be secure um, in this identity um, alone rather than pursuing our achievements or our reputation um, or being relevant in our culture. A challenge we have is trying to follow Jesus um, while also needing to be a part of this world. Um, we need to participate in this world in many different ways. Um, we have to pay rent. Many of us, many of us have jobs for that and um, we study and we are all involved in different institutions. Um, and it's not always intentional, but over time our achievements grow, our reputation gets built, 
um, and the influence of our voice increases. And I wonder if when these things improve for us, we, spend, we end up spending more time protecting that and we start to place our identity in these things again. We get comfortable relying on the benefits um, and after a while, Jesus' invitations may begin to feel threatening again. So our identity gets rebuilt on values that we didn't choose um, and it's because of the culture we live in. Now this is very applicable to me um, I've seen this in my life. I feel privileged to have had so many beautiful people woven into my life and, um, yeah, deep relationships and connections with people. Um, but sometimes I drift back to valuing other people's opinions of me um, more, than my, more than valuing my original identity. Um, and I particularly value people's approval. Um, and I can let this speak to my identity, um, the, approval that, the approval that I sense, that I'm sensing I do or don't get. Um, and it's all my own perception, but um, yeah, I let this speak to my identity. And um, I see the fruit of this in many ways, but um, particularly this, I notice this in my overthinking um, or like unnecessary regret of how I um, acted or behaved um, or what I or how I said something um, and I overanalyze how I may have been perceived in the situation um, yeah that doesn't feel like freedom to me so jumping back to James I become the person who looks in the mirror um, and then forgets so this is just one example of investing in a value of this world because of the current we swim in um, we accidentally nurture these values um, and it grows them into our values. And we slowly let the world define us until we no longer recognize our divine origin. So I want to emphasize that we choose what we nurture. And I'm going to come back to that. Um, but an example is I choose how much time I spend overthinking or worrying and I choose how much time I spend on my knees before Jesus um, asking for healing and for truth and proclaiming his sovereignty and moving him back to the center of my life. So, yeah, I make those choices. Um, and I want to empower um, you guys' choices through this talk today. So my first invitation is, where is God highlighting the drift in your life? Another way to frame this is where have the values of the world seeped in? And I want to encourage you guys to do this journey with Jesus because, um, yeah, ask him to reveal that stuff because it might not be obvious. Um, thank God so wants to highlight that, those things in our lives if we um, ask. Yeah, and in terms of drift, I think he, yeah, Henri Nouwen captures the essence of this well. So I'm going to go to my next excerpt. Excerpt. I don't know how to say that word. <laughs> excerpt. Um, it says, At issue here is the question, to whom do I belong? To God or to the world? Many of my daily preoccupations suggest that I belong more to the world than to God. 
A little criticism makes me angry. A little rejection makes me depressed. A little praise raises my spirits and a little success excites me. I'm like a small boat on the ocean, completely at mercy of its waves. All the time and energy I spend in keeping some kind of balance, preventing myself from being tipped over, shows that my life is mostly a struggle for survival. An anxious struggle resulting from the mistaken idea that it's the world that defines me. I think that last line is so poignant. This is a picture of our human state. And I want to say wonderfully in need of God. We can't anchor ourselves in the world's value systems because it's not going to hold us. We need to anchor ourselves in Jesus because that grounds us in unshakable love. And I think we know this stuff, um, but it's another thing to live out of that. Um, yeah, and so God, God isn't asking us to just try harder to live out the gospel. I want to go back to James again. Um, that first verse where it says, if you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror, discovers their own reflection, then goes on and forgets their divine origin. James make, makes it clear that God is asking us to reclaim our identity, our divine origin, to listen to the word, let it remind us who we are, and go on to live from that place. And understanding our identity in God always starts with our belovedness our belovedness. I think a lot of us are familiar with Romans 8, 38. And I want to read this over you guys. I actually didn't put this up on the <laughs> slideshow. But yeah, I just want to bless you guys with this. It says, now I live with the confidence. I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that God's love will triumph over death life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. That's wild. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power that can distance us from God's love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is truth. This is truth. Now, I want to say, yeah, I was reflecting on this um, on silent retreat, shout out, it was such a good weekend. Um, but I was reflecting on the fact that God, God loves you before anyone in this world ever attempted to. And God is committed to you until the end of the ages, which is so wild, to the end of the ages. Um, and I love that language because it feels really grounding because it's not, it's way bigger than our existence on earth. So I want to bless you guys to reflect on that. Yeah, and however much our lives are impacted by the powers and principalities of our time, they cannot triumph over Jesus' love and sovereignty. When we turn James 1.23 around, you could say deeply knowing our true identity helps us to live out the message that we, the messages that we hear, um, because we were created to live the way of Jesus. So we need to nurture the truth in our lives, because the enemy will do anything to destroy it. 
we and yeah, I want to also encourage us. We like we need to bless each other in that truth as well, because um, we don't do this alone. And yeah, I just want to encourage us here to to keep um, calling out the belovedness of each other because we need that. So my second invitation for tonight is to let the truth of our beloved, yeah, well, in order to let the truth of our belovedness sink deeper, um, what practices can we add to our daily life that remind us of this truth? I think Jesus nurtured the truth of his belovedness so he could live in the freedom of it, and especially when the world challenged it. I think it's remarkable how Jesus navigated the identity temptations like of his day, um, particularly, you know, his achievements, reputation, and relevance, like I mentioned before. He intentionally made choices that stifled the drift. And what I mean by this is Jesus walked the road of downward mobility and humility when praised for his achievements. He role-modeled a life of service and sacrifice when tempted with reputation. And he didn't sow his identity into the values of the world around him, forsaking relevance. But he, get, he kept God the king of his life, and he chose to nurture God's lordship again and again. And he did this by becoming, but yeah, coming, coming before God in prayer and surrender. He would keep choosing again and again to come before God in prayer and surrender. And we were created to do the same. Created to nurture God's lordship in prayer and surrender again and again. Scotty um, talked about, in, yeah, two weeks ago, his sermon, he talked about um, cleansing the state of our heart through practices of surrender. I think that's so powerful. I think it's so true. So I want to wrap up um, on this last point. That genuine spirituality in the eyes of God is to care for the orphans and the widows in their distress and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. Earlier, I talked about um, yeah, the hard balance of navigating following Jesus in this world. Um, and yeah, navigating how to be part of this world while following Jesus' invitations. Yeah, and particularly the life that he modeled. Yeah, and so I want to I wanna remind us of our bigger picture convictions as a church. So though we swim in the world's values, they are the social constructs, constructs, um, systems and beliefs that Jesus actually came to tear down. And this is because they are built on the trampling of the last lost and least. So my examples here are the pursuit of wealth or success leaves behind the poor. The pursuit of self-fulfillment and convenience pushes away those who are inconvenient. The pursuit of status and relevance pushes down those who can't keep up. By protecting our own reputation and social cred, we can actually undermine the mana of others. The pursuit of independence and autonomy often disregards responsibility. The pursuit of power 
gridlocks the powerless in order to exist. Yeah, the more I've let Jesus lead my life, the more I feel challenged to make decisions and not everyone's going to back. Um, and at the cost of being fully understood um, or significant, Jesus, um, what Jesus offers is actually so much more, so much more. Yeah, and actually learning to believe in my belovedness and trying to give my life away for others, trying to live my life for others um, in the way that Jesus did. Um, it actually slowly dismantles the world's values in my life as well, slowly. Um, and that's a journey. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel convicted by our AYM morning prayers where it says, Jesus topples our idea of success upside down. Jesus topples our idea of success upside down. And I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry for a life where if my choices don't make sense to people living under the values of the world, um, but they do point to Jesus, I want to take that as a win. So I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, I want to summarize by saying it's not just one choice. It's truth that we need to nurture again and again. Um, we choose what we nurture. And essentially, serving ourselves or serving Christ. And serving Jesus shifts ourselves away from being the center of our life. And our lives inevitably become about others. And serving Jesus restores our original identity, revealing our belovedness. And we are set free to glorify the risen Christ. We are set free to glorify the risen Christ. So I'm going to remind you guys of my invitations. Um, yeah, I, I encourage you guys to mull on this over worship and really ask God and keep asking God to reveal these things. So my first invitation was, where is God highlighting drift in your life? And my second invitation is, what practices can we add to our daily life that remind us of this truth? Um, and particularly, or that remind us of truth, particularly the truth of our belovedness. And we can keep referring back to what Jesus modeled in that. So, yeah, as we move into a time of worship, um, we are in which I'm going to invite the worship crew up. <laughs> um, I'd love to read one more excerpt, excerpt um, from Henri Nguyen. Um, and, yeah, I think this is really powerful. And I'm actually going to invite you guys to close your eyes um, as I share because, yeah, I want you guys to really, really let this sink in. Home is the center of my being, where I can hear the voice that says, you are my beloved. On you, my favor rests. The same voice that speaks to all the children of God and sets them free to live in the midst of a dark world while remaining in the light. 
As the beloved of my heavenly father, I can walk in the valley of darkness. No evil would I fear. As the beloved, I can cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. Having received without charge, I can give without charge. As the beloved, I can confront, console, admonish, and encourage without fear of rejection or need for affirmation. As the beloved, I can suffer persecution without desire for revenge, and I can receive praise without using it as proof of my goodness. As the beloved, I can be tortured or killed without ever having to doubt that the love that is given to me is stronger than death. And I want to add, stronger than anything else this world has to offer. This is a powerful truth. Bless you guys with that.